You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Whites. Greetings and welcome to the BH Photography Podcast. We're fresh back from a nice holiday break and we hope your New Year's has started off well. During our break, John made good use of his time while in Florida. He visited the gallery and studio of famed landscape photographer Clyde Butcher. Butcher is known primarily for his dazzling large format black and white photography of the Everglades and Florida environment. Regardless of your photographic background or your tastes in photography, there is so much you can learn about his storied career. Good example. How many photographers do you know who actually made money selling thousands of prints through the Amazon of the Stone Age, or as we sometimes call it, the Sears catalog? He did it. Anyway, this episode is going to be a little bit different than our norm because it's just a simple conversation between John and Clyde. They touch on a number of interesting subjects, including Butch's work in the swamps with large format cameras, his recent foray into Sony digital cameras paired with Canon tilt shift lenses, and his mind-boggling darkroom with vintage enlargers. They'll also be discussing the business models that he and his family employ to market his images, his thoughts on black and white versus color, and of course, his relationship to the Florida landscape for which he will be forever linked. Clyde is a true American master, and it's a treat to have him on the B&H Photography Podcast. Let's have a listen. You know, your work, at least the work that you're most known for, is kind of a process-heavy work. I mean, patience and time, working in large format. But let me ask you, do you feel photography um, is more of a ways or a means? Whether the means be adventure or solace or money? Uh, whatever happens to you. Hopefully, photography is an adventure through life mm-hmm. that you bring happiness to people through mm-hmm. your images. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my work, I'm trying to bring the environment mm-hmm. uh, to to uh, the public mm-hmm. because a lot of people in big cities don't have any idea where their, their oxygen comes from. Yeah, that's you know. True. <laughs> so, so we we have to try to convince people that the uh, Earth is a is round. Mm-hmm. I think it's round, maybe. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know. Last uh, I checked, you know. Yeah, and we're, yeah. A, we're a spaceship. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so we have a finite number of materials here. So through my photography, I hope uh, people see the beauty. Mm. And and you have to get into it, too. I mean, that, if you look at my pictures, mm-hmm. there's a lot, there's, a lot of the pictures are not really um, pictures of things. They're feelings of things. Mm. Like I try to draw you in. Like in the center of that picture, there's nothing really in that center. The interest is on the sides bringing you in. Uh, uh, the reason I make my pictures, you know, I guess you probably don't know if you've seen too many. These are all silver prints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they're up to five foot by eight and a half feet, yeah. nine feet. Yeah. Yeah, Nikki showed me the uh, space in the back, the dark room and, oh, the, yeah. and the rinsing and the chemical tables. That's, That's well, I think it's a 38-foot long sink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Five foot by four foot trays. Yeah. Well, actually, each tray is a sink in itself. Well, let me ask you this question then, jumping ahead. There's so many questions. I want to sure. ask you about that space that you create in the photo and, mm-hmm. and what you want people to do in that space. But while we're there, you know, over the past 20 plus years now, we've seen this going away from, from analog film photography and printing. When that first started, I mean, how did. Did you ask yourself any questions like, how am I going to sustain this? How am I going to supply myself with these students as Kodak is shutting down and as, you know, Ilford is, you know, pulling back their... Now we're seeing a little resurgence in that, but at the time, was there ever a question on what you were going to do? Well, when digital came out and uh, Kodak said, oh, we're out of here, Mm -hmm. um, I was getting a little nervous. Mm. Because you can't... It's not 35 millimeter we're talking about here. No, I shoot up to 12 by 20 negatives. Yeah. You know, uh, majority of 5, 7, 8. Most majority is 5, 7, 8 by 10. Mm -hmm. Some 11, 14, some 12, 20. 12, 20, 11 by 14 is really silly. (laughs) You don't need that much information. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's like... It's like when you take a 12 by 20 out, it's like taking a television set out there. Yeah. Except everything's upside down backwards. (laughs) It's all in color. Yeah. It's all in color. That's true. But at that time, did you think to yourself, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns. This is what I do. This is what I love to do. I'm not going back. 
because you know sales i don't know if sales took a hit or whatever or you know those kind of things but did, was it ever a conversation you had with yourself or was it one of those well things where... I, I was a little nervous i think it was in 1998 we started doing our own books mm-hmm. oh, really? so well we've always, always done our own books but i was doing that my own scanning and my negatives okay so i had to learn photoshop so i could um get the picture in the book mm-hmm. i tried to People were trying to teach me Photoshop. I went to a couple of courses. It was pretty, it would take me two days to do a picture. So I said, I got to learn a way of doing this in analog. Mm -hmm. So I figured an analog way of doing Photoshop. Photoshop, Okay. (laughs) Uh, Now I can do an image in 10 minutes. Yeah. And what would that, what is that analog method? Well, basically, when you like when you burn something, right. you burn it in gradients, not with a burn tool. Oh, okay. So, in that gradient, I can hmm. change the contrast in that gradient. Okay, that's interesting. So, I might have to erase a little bit around. The, say, I want to burn a tree. I just erase a little bit around it. Hmm. I make a circle and around it, hmm. and then. Uh, I want more contrast, less contrast. I can do that with a gradient. Mm. So I can, it's just like what I do now in um, printing. We have variable contrast paper. Right. I've got blue and green bulbs. Mm-hmm. So I need <coughs> less contrast. I turn the blue off and I burn in with green. I need more contrast. I burn in with blue. Mm. So I do the same thing in digital now. Right. Interesting. <laughs> um, I like that. And what's exciting to me, I finally th- got the. I think I finally got the right camera too. Now, I got the new um, F, uh, the, the Fuji FGX uh, one hundred. Yeah. But the thing about it, it's got sixteen bit. Yeah. People don't realize the advantage of sixteen bit. When yeah. you do gradients, uh-huh. they become smooth. Yeah. Oh. And you can't do that in fourteen bit like you can in sixteen bit. The camera to me is. Too automatic. I like the. I have the 50s. You did. Yeah. It's got little dials here. Mm-hmm. This one's all electronic. Mm-hmm. I hate electronic mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but I've had to figure out how to adapt my Canon lenses to it. Uh. So because it's the lens, the aperture is is done by the camera. Right. So actually, Cambo. Yeah. Makes an adapter for the Canon lenses to the Fuji. That actually controls the iris independently of the right. camera. Yeah, I've, so I don't I've have seen to worry that. about the yeah, camera yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I can use my lenses. All right, there you go. And I can't shoot without. I mean, there's just people. People don't realize the the difference of getting foreground by lowering the lens than, than tilting the camera down. Right. If you want more foreground, yeah, I lower the lens. I don't tilt, tilt the camera. The yeah, okay. So the perspective is correct, and it's, it's also a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's more natural. Yeah. Oh, I'm kind of uh, surprised <laughs> a little bit to hear the uh, the embrace uh, and the, the deep dive into you know the Fuji and as you mentioned earlier the Sony and obviously adapting well, all these things into the digital world. Was this something that you were brought to you based on the fact that you needed to physically? Or? Well, no. I tell you, the, the reason that I that I started embracing it mm-hmm. is because they came there came out with. Um, ink that's archival and paper there you go so unless you have a media that you can print on mm-hmm. that's going to be around for a right. while the first media it was an iris printer mm-hmm. it was good for at least good two months yeah. <laughs> and it was dead yeah. because it was used for proofing yeah. offset printing yeah. they only needed it to show the client right. then they threw it away right. 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 and in your in your mind's eye uh, the print and maybe, excuse me for even asking this, mm-hmm. but the print is the final product. I mean, mm-hmm. when you see what you're looking at, you see through the lens, through the landscape to the print. Is I, that, is that yeah, fair to say? Well, yeah, I do. You know, you say see through the lens. I actually, everything I do is point and shoot. Mm-hmm. I do not compose with a camera. Now, you can a little bit more with digital, but with a large format, mm-hmm. if you ever use a wide-angle lens for a large, large format, you can't see the composition on the ground glass. True. If you want to see, if it's focused on the edge, you have to move your head over to the left, <laughs> and then you have to move it over to the right. right. <laughs> you know? So you really can't see the composition. So I've learned, I bought the first 
retrofocus 20 millimeter lens that came in the country in 1962. The first retrofocus lens mm -hmm. was made in East Germany. Right. It's a Flectagon. Okay. 20 millimeter Flectagon. So I've been using that and wider angles ever since then. I mean, I've been, I'm a wide angle. I mean, I've got maybe half a dozen shots that were taken with different lenses. Mm. <laughs> hmm. Really? Yeah, I go from, if you relate it to um, full frame 35, mm -hmm. I go from about 10 millimeters to 20. That's it, eh? Everything in focus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It, wow. And that, you know, it, and that's how I got my, my, uh, my, uh, Nikon, I have a 19 millimeter tilt shift Nikon. Lens. Like that, yeah. I figured out a way of getting it easy on my camera. Mm -hmm. I went and go to the camera store. I have a, in here in Brayton, and we have a great camera store, Florida. In fact, it's the only camera store on the West Coast. Really? <laughs> yeah. Left, I guess, yeah. yeah. But they have everything. Uh -huh. Really? They have okay. everything. What's it called? It's called Johnson Imaging. But anyhow, uh, I take the lens down there. He puts it on a Nikon camera, mm -hmm. and he shuts it down to f16. He puts it on preview, and then he takes the lens off, and yeah. stay, it'll stay on 16. Uh, okay. So I just don't <laughs> change the f-stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I can uh, use it. Uh, uh, so I'm actually really impressed that there is a guy in Bradenton that you mm -hmm. go to still and, and buy your stuff. That's where I got my yeah. Fuji. There you go. That's my Fuji 100. I got that thing. Mm-hmm. In two weeks. Right. How many B&H can't even get them? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. This guy, you know, of course, he used my name, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he wants one. <laughs> well, they've always wanted, they, well, they've wanted me to, to, you know, kind of promote, use it as a camera. But I said, you know, I can't do that until you get good lenses. Yeah. They said, well, you got great lenses. I said, you don't have any tilt and shifts. There you go. So they said, well, first tilt and shift, so I'll get me on the, on the yeah, list. Right. Because I, I can't, an automatic, I can't, I don't, I don't know how to use an automatically focusing lens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've never done that in my life. Yeah. So, and mostly I use the scale. Yeah, just look at I'll it. Put it on 10 feet. Right. No, see, those lenses don't have that anymore. Yeah. You can't. You can't that's do right. that. Some of them don't. I mean, my I bought a Sigma recently that doesn't. No, yeah, yeah. no, you don't have that. No, they have a window. That's true. I take it back. But yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. they have the scale. Yeah, it's no. from here to here. No, you no. know. No, no, no. Yeah. So I'm an old fashioned fart. Yeah. Well, that's all right. No, but you got a Fuji. <laughs> no, I got you know, the, no. You're shooting the Sony A7 something. So, I, I mean, uh, Sony A7 R2. Right. And the Sony A7S. Yeah. So when I do work in the photography in the dark room. Mm -hmm. I can shoot that in the dark room. Ah, and just to document or yeah, we yeah. Do, we do videos of you our do, work. Of your work, uh, YouTube, work. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know that sort of oh, thing. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah, see, this is great. I mean, it's total embrace. You so know, I'm from going from yeah. I go. I, I'm actually starting back with film. Mm -hmm. I got a Jobo. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I uh, get my dark room all set up, and um, I'm going to start shooting five seven. I'm not going to mm -hmm. go eight, eight by ten because mm -hmm. I think. Physically, with a stroke, I could handle five seven okay. and four by five. Yeah. But, but yeah. I decided, eh, I'm not going to do four by five. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching my granddaughter how That's to use a four by five. That's great. That's yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to me, it's five by seven. It's just a logical format. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And back into the swamps. With, mm -hmm. That's the next back, back into the swamps. I've been so. using my walker lately. Yeah. So okay. Uh, I've uh, actually uh, rusted a few bearings getting the thing in water. Mm -hmm. so I take it in salt water. <laughs> Good for you. The walker doesn't like salt water. <laughs> so in your mind, when do you approach things as like a project? For example, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself, I don't know, months, years, whatever it happens to be to embrace this location or this part of the park or in the case that you did with the Dali, mm -hmm. you know, or is it more like a continuum? Well, you know, like a lifelong continuum. Right? It's a, well, it's, I'm a lifelong continuum, but I do try to create projects. Mm -hmm. Like I've been working on the springs of Florida mm -hmm. because the springs are getting destroyed, mm -hmm. and I want to bring awareness to the springs. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to work on a project on the St. John River, okay. which is uh, one of the same problems that the Everglades has. Well, on the other hand, I still take pictures down the swamp and yeah. the Everglades because yeah. the Everglades is my... Uh, where I really 
I saw the need to show what the Everglades was about. Mm-hmm. Um, people were photographing birds and gators. Yeah. How many birds and gators have you seen? If you want to shoot birds and gators, go to the zoo. The zoo. <laughs> go to the zoo. You know. uh, or the Florida Aquarium. Yeah. yeah. Florida Aquarium, you can go up, you can walk uh, four feet from a, from a uh, blue heron. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get back to I mean, uh, for our listeners, we're looking now at a photo, and I'll just try to describe it. You know, uh, part of a swamp. You That's see actually a, spring. It's a spring. I'm sorry. Okay, part of a spring. You see there's a tree coming in frame on the right, Spanish moss. But your eye is drawn. The tree draws you, and there's a tree on the left, which draws you. And, the, you know, the, the glare off the water all kind of draws you deeper into what looks like, mm-hmm. you know, just a set of trees in the background. And as you right. mentioned earlier, nothing necessarily. Right. right. But once you get in that space, how do you want people to feel? feel like well, they're part of it, mm. that they want to be there, yeah. you know. Um, like this picture here, though, mm-hmm. this is from our parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to describe it. It's like you know, the most pristine image in the world. You have, you know, a giant... Cypress, a tree, I don't know, pine tree, I'm sorry, Cypress, I don't know. Cypress. Yeah, uh, an alligator floating perfectly in front, two alligators, and a whole bunch of... Egrets? Egrets, like one perfectly, you know, center frame. Yeah. And the two other, like... Moss his, hanging up there. I mean, yeah, and that was from... The parking lot. Of where? Big Cypress? Big Cypress Gallery. There you go. <laughs> right. People ask me, uh, one of the typical questions uh, when people come to the gallery in Big Cypress, or, or here, where do you go to photograph? Anywhere, mm. there we do. We know we not. Ha- we don't have uh, El Capitan. We do yeah. not have Half Dome. We yeah. don't have. We don't have uh, uh, the Tetons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Florida is a biological state, and it's a very intimate state. It's I call it. It's it's really biological. I mean, it's you can go to the same place every year and it's different mm. because the plants are different. Uh, Sky is different. The water is different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, so it's, and then we have our clouds. Mm-hmm. Clouds sure. are fantastic sure. in Florida. Yeah. yeah. You know, just on a side note, the, the library that in Lee County that I always go to, and I took my kids there when we come down and visit all, the, all these years, there's a couple of Clyde Butchers in there. Mm-hmm. And it was my first experience with okay. your work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they really, how do I say it? They kind of make the place. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's an, I love libraries. You yeah. know, they're, they're wonderful. They, so any library is good by me, but when you know somebody took the time to get these photos and put them in the right place, there's a little something extra going on. A lot of hospitals. Hospital, yeah. Have my work. Yeah, and they, they, it's really yeah. strange because you think black and white is kind of harsh, mm. but they're very relaxing. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. it's, it's a weird, yeah. weird phenomenon I create. I, I, I read that you, you mentioned, you know, color for you. The photographer is going to, and I'm paraphrasing, but the photographer is going to pick out the color that they are drawn to um, and emphasize that to some degree, therefore taking away from, you know, a natural look at the image. Is that fair to say? I don't, yeah, I'm why, trying. Why, why do you choose black and white then? I'm trying to tell people about nature, not about color. Mm. Uh, color, I call, I, I call color a Xerox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I call black and white an interpretation. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, I try to, people to visualize, uh, would you rather have air or water? Do you have a, you have a preference? No, you want both. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm trying to say there that everything in nature has the same importance. Equal value, yeah. yeah. And you can't do that in color. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. Unless it's very monochromatic. Yeah. Yeah. I, saw, I saw some of your color work, though, uh, and I don't know if it's recent or older, but, yeah, there is a... There is I don't know if desaturation is the word, but there's something going on, and maybe it's just a haze of that image where I could see it working to, to your needs in that case. But I, most I of my color work that I used to do was very uh, monochromatic, yeah, uh, very subtle, yeah. That's what I guess. Yeah, not yeah, not yeah. a Peter Lick type, yeah, type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the the, uh, the high saturation and such is just garish mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you when you one of these large prints, you keep exploring it. People say after uh, after a while, they say after a year or so, they say, oh, you know, I keep finding things in that picture. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's one picture I have on the, it's a, it's a water with some, some lilies and there's one, there's a spider on one of them, pretty good size in the print. 
And one lady called me up, there was a spider on there. <laughs> <laughs> and were you aware? I mean, are you aware no, of everything no, in the frame when no, you get to it? No, yeah. if it just feels good. Yeah. People ask me, how do I take my, take my pictures? If it feels good, must be a thing, something to, to capture. Yeah. To me, that's what it's all about, is feeling good. Yeah. Now, when you go out west, there's... I do out west. I've done a lot of work out west. I'm from California. Right. No, no, I want to. And so, you know, I've, I'm quite aware of Yosemite mm -hmm. and. Right. Um, spectacular. Right. Well, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Right. I hear you. If Alan, our host, was here, hi, Alan, he would be saying, you know, why are you going out to such a place to shoot the same photo that, you know, everybody else shot 20 times and you can, you can, whatever. But, well, because it should be done. I mean, I, I think so. every photographer should do the uh, the typical shots. Check it off the list first, and then get into something else. Well, yeah, because you know, I've I picked I didn't pick Florida. Florida picked me. Mm. And when I started photographing, nobody was doing Florida. And now I've got lots of people interested in photographing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, we take out uh, photo tours in the swamp. Mm. Uh, take people swamp walks. Uh, People discovered it's a pretty exciting place. Yeah. There's a there's a tree that I found in the Santa Fe River, a cypress tree, 53 feet in circumference. Wow. It's got to be a couple thousand years old. Incredible, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I've read that you know you've spoken on the idea of uh, of the primeval, mm -hmm. and uh, I kind of want to jump back then and ask you about your work, I mean, you started out as an architect or in architecture. Yeah, um, yeah I graduated in architecture, worked for architects uh, for a couple of years. Do you see any relationship in, in that and where you started to well, what you're looking at out here, even the primeval aspect? Sometimes of it. the customers look at my pictures and they'll, I say, what, what do you do? Oh, I'm an architect. And he says, now I can see what you're doing. Yeah, interesting. An architect can see what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm creating spaces. Mm -hmm. Well, in architecture, you you have to design a building that attracts people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but who takes who can take in a building at one in one? Yeah, look well, uh, other than well, the entrance is very important. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Okay, anyway. yeah. so that's what you're trying to do is an mm -hmm. in a building is to figure out how people get into the building. Yeah, it's them into a photo, right? How do you right. get someone into a photo? Sure. Right. So sure. in architecture, I was taught how to see. There you go. <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right, and that's something that most people don't are not aware of. Hmm. How was, uh, just out of the blue, how was Cal Poly in the 1960s? What kind of environment was that? What, what did well, you do? You were studying architecture, yeah. I assume. So, yeah. There was 400 people in my freshman class and yeah. 13 graduated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a tough school. Yeah. yeah. And I read that, you know, you, you, you got into, you saw some Ansel Adams, you got into mm -hmm. photography. Yeah. I started uh, photographing with my uh, Brownie Hawkeye at eight years old. Oh, okay. Right. And then in, uh, when I was 10, I moved up to a uh, Yushika twin lens um, reflex, one, the model, the 127 film. Mm -hmm. Anybody remember mm -hmm. 127? Yeah, yeah, I had to do a, a review of an old camera, and we had a, someone who still sells them up in Rochester. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he repurposes old sheets. Yeah. yeah. This, uh, so it's, it's basically 127 is 35 without the sprots, yeah. rockets. <laughs> so I was always interested in photography. And then uh, when I was, I think, uh, about... 12, 13, I got interested in doing 16 millimeter movies. Okay. So I've always been interested in photography, and I've always been interested in, in the outdoors. Yeah. Um, so when we were, I was dating my wife in Yosemite, and we saw his gallery there in 61, uh, I can say we could have bought a printer for 75 bucks. Oh, God. <laughs> but we didn't. And I was looking back at it, and... Uh, you know, there were some great shots he had of uh, redwood trees. And uh, my thought then was, why would you photograph a redwood tree unless the tree was for sale for lumber? Because I'm an architect. Yeah. I could build 17 houses out of that tree. Right. You know? That's a really interesting idea that that's what you thought at the time. So yeah. I've, I've come a little ways. idea of what is photography and right, <laughs> what can right. be done for but then I got in. But then I actually during school I would take um, in the summertime when I had some time, which I didn't have much time. I took I started taking pictures, mm -hmm. and then when I uh, got out of school, uh, actually I started into, into architectural model photography, and I was taking weekends and going out photographing. And I was at a we we were 
one of the guys in the office worked with me. It was a does watercolors, and he was doing an art show out in front of Kroger's. And uh, he said, "Why don't you build some airframes, uh, a frames, and take some pictures down, and see if you could sell them?" So I said, "Okay, I'll give that a shot." So I took them off my wall, mm-hmm. took it down there, and I sold them. Hmm, pretty good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so from then on, I've been taking landscape photographs for art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I started in actually. And always, but always selling them yourself. I mean, that's kind mm-hmm. of interesting and, and to a lot of our, our listeners, certainly encouraging because, you know, where do you, what do you do with your first prints? What do you do with the things that you think you want to share and, and sell? And, you know, sometimes people look at the art fairs and they're like, I don't know if that's for me. I want someone else to do it for me. You know, I want a, a gallery to represent me necessarily, these type of things. But uh, if, if you have the passion, you'll figure out a way of doing it. Yeah. If you don't have the passion, no matter what I tell you or what somebody else tells you, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, it's a passion. I mean, it's it's uh, kind of like a drug. Yeah. Um, keep doing it. Uh, I've been doing it, uh, my own work since '69. Yeah. Um, I've I've did I've done two projects outside of the norm, which they were kind of the norm. I did a project in 2002 on the. Uh, uh, Mountains of Cuba mm-hmm. for the UN. Mm-hmm. It was a UN project. Then I did in 2017. I went to Spain and did a project on Dolly, where Dolly, Sardar Dolly lived. Yeah, that tell, was fun. tell us about that a little bit. It sounds interesting. Well, it was it was you not know, normal kind of work. It was not normal yeah. because this had to do more than just landscape. But I discovered going through the gallery with uh, Peter uh, that. Dolly was really into the landscape. Mm-hmm. Let me just jump in here a little bit because because uh, Nikki and, and you mentioned earlier, and I'll just give our listeners a quick uh, idea. You were uh, commissioned or invited to go to the Dolly mm-hmm. residence and gallery, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. in Spain to photograph the environs, to put your spin on what he lived in and worked in. Yeah, where he lived, what his experiences was, mm-hmm. and what the environment reflected into his paintings. It was kind of interesting. After we did the show, it was really kind of scary, though, because they actually paid for my expenses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is, uh, and the Cuba, I was, my expenses were paid. They didn't make any money, right. but my expenses were paid. And that's kind of nervousing for me because mm-hmm. most projects I've done for environmental groups, uh, government, state, federal, I do it for free because if it doesn't come out any good, that's, that's the way it goes. Right. They're not, they're not, I'm not being in a no pressure. pressure. Yeah. No pressure. Sure. So these two projects were a little pressure. And then on the Dolly project, I only had basically nine days. Mm. I had to fill up a museum of 5,000 square feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that is pressure. That was a little That's pressure. Tough. That's tough. Yeah. Especially in a space where was someone new to you, right? I mean, well, it's I've, I've had shows in 10,000 square foot space. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, in terms of the, what you're photographing. the Oh, the, yeah. The oh, yeah. yeah. So some yeah. of the best pictures I took were of, of man-made things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the more interesting ones. Mm-hmm. And you also were using, as you mentioned earlier, uh, a Sony system and mm-hmm. the Canon lenses, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. 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 And setting up, I mean, you were setting up tripod shots. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I was... Uh, it was the a- A7R2, mm-hmm. but when I shifted it, uh, I shift to the left, take a picture, shift to the right, take a picture. Oh, okay. Or when I do, it's really interesting, you could take camera, put the camera vertically, take three pictures, mm. left, middle, right, and right. right. So you actually put those three together. Oh, good for you. So you get more more sky, more foreground. Right. So or, you're you seeing- can, or you take the camera horizontally mm-hmm. and go one down right. then middle and one up right. yeah so you can the form, there's all so kinds of when right. you have the tilt and shift lenses there's all kinds of configurations you can use that silly camera in. Right. okay we're going to take a short break and when we come back more with our conversation with Clyde Butcher stay tuned we 
We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For links to gear and more information on today's guests, check out the show notes in your podcast app or visit our homepage on the B&H Explorer website and join the B&H Photography Podcast Facebook group. And now, back to the show. In the early 70s to 1985, I shot color. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. So, but go ahead. I shot a lot of color. Yeah, yeah. I probably, uh, I'm not, I know I have one image that uh, was printed 19 by 50 inches framed. I sold 750,000 of them, one image. I okay. sold I sold actually millions of pictures framed in color. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> mention to you my understanding of, of this kind of arrangement you had, and please clarify because sure. it's one of the more one of the first questions I wrote on my list because I'm totally curious about how you set up a business so fast that you could first of all you know kudos because you're doing the work you love and you're able to then market it to such a degree, mm-hmm. and now we're talking through Sears. Am I right? Wards, wards, pennies. Talk about old formats, right? I mean, mm-hmm. these places, do they mm-hmm. exist anymore? Sears, maybe. Um, but so you had arrangements with them to sell your work. And I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea of how it worked. Like, did they have an editor or a buyer or, or who contacted you and what did they suggest? And how well, did that process work? Actually, it started out with Spencer Gift. Okay. Oh, Spencer's. Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, in uh, Boardwalk. Yeah. With New Jersey, go and see the boardwalk. Yeah. See the buyer. Uh, they wanted their front wall, they wanted color to attract people into their store. Okay. It was like a pull, yeah. draw. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we, we were doing 19 by 50 prints and 24 by 38 inch prints mm-hmm. framed. The wood frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where we got started. And then. Um, I said to myself, you know, if we put a clock on it, it would make that picture more useful. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just so like mad. We became the largest clock manufacturer in in the country. So it was that image with just the hands over the the clock face? Well, we take a silk screen or print a clock face, punch a hole, put a clock in it. Okay. Then we got fancier with uh, mirrors and all kinds. We take a mirror and... Etch off this. Mm-hmm. It, it got pretty fancy. Yeah. Um, but I think we figured out one in every 10 homes had one of our clocks in America. Right. And, they, and they want to know who started uh, interest in photography. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. So you were, you were out creating these color images, uh, mm-hmm. landscape images, um, and then they were being sold as frame prints for decoration through right. these major stores right, that right. existed. And you were actually printing them at a rapid pace with a team, I assume. Well, they were, well, we first started out with originals. Yeah. Then we went to lithography. Okay. Uh, not lithography, offset. Offset prints, yeah. People, I get lithography and offset. Yeah, people get that mixed up. All right. It's offset prints. Uh, we were, we'd have a room twice the size of this stacks of prints eight foot high of, of raw paper. Uh-huh. We, were, we would ship out one to two semis a day of clocks. And this is, this is based out of, <laughs> of... Well, we had actually, we started in Costa Mesa, California. Okay. Then we started another plant in Akron, Ohio. So we had two plants. One for the East Coast, one for the West right, Coast. Right. Because at that point, Akron, Ohio was in 600 miles. You know, 600 miles radius of Akron was yeah. 50 or 60% of the population. Right. I, having grown up in Cleveland, I, I know. It was a yeah, crossroads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and California is a completely different kind of manufacturing because it's so far away from the East Coast. They did everything. They did masonite. They did all the different things I would need. Hmm. But in the East Coast, each state had their own particular thing they made. Right. So you get the masonite from one state, you get the frame material from a different state. And you were running this business mm-hmm. along with your wife at the time? I mean, yeah. we had and 200 we, employees. And you had 200 employees. 
And when would you do the photos? When would you go out and take pictures? Well, not, it was not as often as night. Yeah. I mean, right now I do a lot more photography than I did then. Because you have to realize the photographs I took had to be generic. Yeah. People in California had to like them, people in Maine had to like them. So they had to be pretty generic. Yeah. And, uh, and when I got, you stumbled on a good one, you knew you had it, you could sell it, right? Well, I know when I took a picture, it was going to sell 50,000 or 200,000 copies. I knew when I took a picture. And how did you make the connections with all the different buyers and, and like, how did uh, they, they find you? Well, I think we, I think we approached uh, Spencer. Mm. And after we did Spencer, everybody else started catching on. Yeah. We got, uh, well, actually, we had, we had three, three reps. Uh, Pennies, Wards, and Sears were the three main reps. Mm -hmm. Spencer was all in-house. Okay. And they were making uh, 300000 each a year in commissions. Yeah. I was making $15,000 a year. That's all right. <laughs> and this you only want to start a big business if you don't need the money. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is the 1970s? It, was started, it started, in my, uh, started really in 70, and uh, the color started in 72. Mm -hmm. We had a furniture uh, showroom in the Furniture Mart in L.A., mm -hmm. and we would do gift shows. Yeah. We, and we had a gift product too we had little little frame pictures mm -hmm. we, you could back we had our picture it was a seagull on the, on the back of a cereal box we sent three labels in five bucks you get a picture you know I mean, <laughs> we had our, our our little things in uh, mobile oil for the clocks okay and when you get your bill they would have little things in there you could order a clock oh wow uh, this we is had we were in yeah. um, um SNH screen stamps. Yeah, of course. Makes sense. We were in um, um, about everything. I, I think I've sold about every kind of place there is to sell. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. It's fascinating to have such kind of a wide, and, and as you said, when you first saw a, you know, a beautiful photo of a, a tree, you're like, well, are yeah. they selling that tree? Yeah. And so to have this kind of range of understanding of what photography is and can be, and then also, needless to say, because you know, I know the story about your son, obviously, and and the time that you took to that's the healing went. into the into so the, I went back to black and white, right, and 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 out into these spaces where you can be alone for times, and so a whole other aspect of photography, you know, mm -hmm. fascinating. Well, that picture behind you there, that one is called uh, Cigar Orchid Pond. I saw the the shot in two thousand uh, January one two thousand. Mm -hmm. I have photographed. It took me every. I went and photographed every year for nine years before I got that shot. Because yeah. the sun had to be right, the plants had to be right. Wind, that's a three-minute exposure. Mm. You can't have any wind in three minutes. Yeah. You know, large formats, a different world. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So I have a lot of patience. Uh, the sand dunes, this one right here, uh, we were there from uh, sunset, sunrise to sunset for five days and took two images. That was a good one. Wow. And what do you, well, what do you think about when you're there? I mean, I mean, not necessarily. What do you think about? Because I'm sure you think about everything. But like photographically, are, are you kind of waiting for the moment and then pa then pausing, coming back to it, thinking it's right, and then not taking the picture? I mean, cause well, two over the course of that time is nowadays seems insane. We were, we were just actually enjoying this. This. this, this, this it was not one person that whole weekend on the beach. Enjoying being there. It's being yeah, there. Yeah. Now, in the Redwood Forest, it's kind of fun because I can usually only take one picture a day in the Redwood Forest. You have to do it before the sun gets into the forest. Mm. For two reasons. One, you can't have the staple light. And uh, three, you can't have any wind. Because in the Redwood Forest, you're way down 300-foot trees. Exposures are like 10 minutes. So you can't have any wind. Right. So you take the, so you spend the whole after you take your picture, you spend the whole next day looking for the next shot for the next day, right. exploring and finding out the next yeah. shot. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And so there's a lot of just 
contemplation, a lot of exploring, a lot of being together. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have been doing this together, like I say, for 57 years. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Incredible. I, you know, I have so many more questions, and I, I, you've been patient for an hour, and I, I thank you so much. There's a couple things. Your, your wife had showed me uh, the, the enlarger room, mm-hmm. and there's a couple things that I don't, I know a lot of photographers that they've never seen in their life. <laughs> so can you describe the uh, the piece that you have that was uh, the one that was... The camera? Well, you have the one that's the camera, and then also the, the one that came from the Miami Herald. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Those and, are two good examples. Yeah. Just well, to, let me throw this out there. In, in Clyde's studio here in Venice, in addition to the gallery spaces and the office spaces, I'm sure, there are the back rooms where the work is done. And there is 10? It's 2,000 2, square feet. 2,000 square feet. It's actually only, only eight enlargers. Eight enlargers. Yeah. And they range in size, obviously. Well, it in, starts in at 12 by 20. Okay. 11 by 14, 10 by 10, 8 by 10, and there's one lonely 5'7". Yeah. <laughs> anyway it's incredible space and in the middle of it is this camera do you mind telling us well the big there? the big camera yeah. uh it's it was a 24 by 36 copy camera right it's on the it's horizontal camera it's on a reel so i just took the ground glass off the back put a piece of plywood on it i had a uh aristo make a, a light source for me it's a variable it's a variable contrast light source for 12 by 20 negatives mm-hmm. $6,000. The the camera was free. <laughs> In fact, they, they called me up. The guy called me up. I, they did a book for me. Uh, we, we, we're getting rid of all our stuff, our cameras. You want a printing, camera? This is a printing company. Printing company. Yeah, yeah. You, want a, you want a camera? I said, sure. I go over, I go over there, my little Toyota. <laughs> I said, I got to come back with a bigger truck. <laughs> yeah, we need a bigger boat. Right? <laughs> uh, I think it weighed about a ton. Uh, well, yeah. clearly, yeah, it's huge. Uh, so we had to get a... There'll be some photos on our website, FYI. I took a couple shots. Yeah. Uh, so we've got, we had, um, um, uh, engine hoist to put it in place for, you know, pull up engines. Uh, then we have another one. It's on the very far left. It was, uh, 11 by 14, uh, Salzman Mm -hmm. made 1930, it's either 32 or 36 in the depression. Mm Mm-hmm. And Miami Herald uh, had it, and uh, they wanted to get rid of it because they they kind of got to clean up their space, you know, mm-hmm. get rid of all this right. this analog stuff. Right. And uh, I went over there, and I took a friend of mine over to pick it up, and the column was the column was laying on the on the ground. The column's about oh probably what ten foot. Mm-hmm. I said, "You get on one end, I get on the other, and we'll pick it up." And it didn't move. Good budget. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw it. I saw that thing. Yeah. It was actually a lead in it oh. to counterbalance the head. Oh, okay, interesting. Because the head was uh, huge. Well, it, right there, where it is now, is half of what it was. It had all kinds of other stuff on it. It had a, a huge condenser, about 18 inches diameter, about eight inches thick glass. So, I, I you know, I, you don't want to print black and white with condensers because you have to. Every imperfection shows up, mm. so you want a diffusion. And then it also had a, a light source that was, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's it's a, just a one little bulb. It has a box about two foot cube for a power source. And you hit it, and it goes, it hits like a, the heat of the sun. Huh. So you go, I mean, it goes pop, and wow. it just does exposure automatically. Huh. They were using it for color separations. That's so I threw all that stuff away. That's deep. Yeah, that's wow. It was it, that was and that was in thirty six. It was fifty thousand dollars. Wow. I did pay three hundred bucks for it. Wow, I think you got a good deal, and you're using it. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. But that's great. I mean, this is the high tech of its era. I mean, incredible. Right? Then I had another. Uh, actually, I had when they when they did the twelve by twenty head. I have an extra one up up in the attic. Uh, so that was eighteen thousand dollars worth of margin heads, mm-hmm. but the guy that did it, designed it's dead. Uh. Nobody else wants to deal with it anymore. And when I was going in doing my large format, I started back in uh, when I started really big in, in um, the black and white it was nineteen eighty six. That period of time, everybody was getting rid of their enlargers. Yeah, yeah. Now you can, now that they're they're a premium now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I. Most I paid for the enlarger, enlarger 
I think with three lenses, was 600 bucks. Wow. One last question to ask, and it's more of something we did talk about already. And because I know at the heart of your work is, you know, is making people aware of the swamp, uh, of Big Cypress, of the Florida landscape, right. and, and, and what we can do to save it, right. preserve it, do what we can. However, having spent, having spent 25 years coming down back and forth to Southwest Florida, all I'm seeing is this nonstop development. You know, I see it where my mother lives down near Naples. And, you know, what was a farm is now a Walmart. Maybe there was a couple of little pauses economically over the years, but that's not stopped. It hasn't and, stopped. And it's not going to stop. It's something like 25% of all the baby boomers want to come to Florida. Yeah. Uh, the problem is we don't have the water. People think there's a lot of water here, but there's not. You know, photography can do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You know, can it stop development? Can it stop a whole generation of people wanting to fill a, a space that wasn't meant for them? Um, uh, or, or what? What can the photography do? I mean, I think I think photography cannot stop development, but maybe it can stop destroying the the, the uh, precious property. Yeah. Uh, people are going to have to go, go like in New York City, go vertical. Yeah. They're going to have to go vertical. We're going to have to start having our gardens in vertical gardens. Because you can, you can make a garden in high-rise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A rooftop in Brooklyn. <laughs> well, actually, we, we have a, what's called a tower garden. In our downstairs, we have an enclosed downstairs, which is my storage unit. And we have a tower garden raising our lettuce downstairs. Oh, yeah? We have LED lights for it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, now, we have a 2,000-square-foot darkroom. Okay. But I have a 900 square foot house. Mm -hmm. So you got to put your priorities, I guess. <laughs> but our house is completely run under solar. Mm. We have a Volt, which is uh, charged with solar. Mm. And we got $100 back from FPL last year. There you go. Oh, okay. So Doing if everybody part. did that, it would be help. I like that. I like that. I'm putting your money where your mouth you is. Know, I can't, as much I, can. I really yeah. can't complain. Yeah. Now, yeah. I can, now I can say, <laughs> you haven't got solar, have you? <laughs> what do you do uh, with your chemicals? How do you dispose of chemicals down here? Black and white's not a problem. Black what we do is we take the, um, the uh, silver out of the fix. Okay. And the rest of the chemicals, they're not like, no, caustic. Yeah. Black yeah. and white's not bad. Yeah. You put the developer and stop, neutralizes each other. Right. One's acid, one's a uh, base, they just neutralize each other. Right. Um, the selenium is a little tough, but the ground hat now is actually hurting on selenium. So I guess it wouldn't have to have a little back back into it. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Now we've got um, digital prints, mm -hmm. silver prints, mm -hmm. and now platinum palladium prints. Wow. Uh, I think we'll stop there. Yeah, I think it's enough. <laughs> but did enough. you do the platinum palladium as... Uh, because of a passion you wanted to, or itch you wanted to scratch, or was that you I've knew always, there was a market for it? I've always wanted to do platinum palladium because it's a way of hopefully archiving the images. Yeah. Um, I w we went out to uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico last, not this Thanksgiving, but last Thanksgiving, and worked with Don uh, on, on for two weeks, and he's doing our images out there in, in Santa Fe. Um, He's using an interesting project. He's using, um, to make the negatives, he's using the Piazzo process mm -hmm. instead of the uh, color ink process okay. so that the, the negatives are really sharp. Hmm. Yeah. I saw a couple in the gallery back here, and they were pretty, pretty sharp. <laughs> Needless to say, they got popped, as they say. Yeah. 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 Uh, we had, we spent uh. a lot of time figuring out what percentage of platinum and what percentage of mm -hmm. palladium. Hmm. And do you do? Uh, did you go out there just to do kind of a quality check and make sure things are oh, on them? Or no, we, he's, he's this guy's good. You don't need to worry about that. Well, yeah. what we do is <clears throat> we make an extra print. And he keeps that. Okay. Oh, nice. And it's called. I, it's, there's a name for it, but it's so you. It's basically a. Yeah. So he can make sure it looks like that. Right. Gotcha. It's just platinum is 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 as tricky or trickier probably than uh, silver. You have to have the temperature the same. Right. There's all kinds of yeah. quality control yeah. things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, you got it coming at all ends. I really appreciate it. I noticed yeah. on your website that you had, yeah. I think, four shows running concurrently now, or one coming up in Cuba very soon, one in Indiana. Okay. But we're starting, we just got uh, show, we just took a show down from Billings, wow. Montana, and we had one from 
Rocky Mountain Museum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we've had them in uh, Iowa, uh, Minnesota. That one was January 1st. That was cold. Just this past year? No, it was a few oh, years ago. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Uh, we've had maybe 50 museum shows. Mm -hmm. Single, you know, just uh, one-man shows. And you, you consider those kind of a retrospective where you choose some of your, well, we, your favorites we, or you, you pick theme, a project? Or? We have themes for yeah, these shows. Yeah. Like uh, the one that's going to uh, Indiana is Everglades. Okay. And we're working on an Everglades book now. Right. Which is going to be really, I think, a nice book. Mm -hmm. uh, then we have the American Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Then we have the Cuba. Right. And then we have the Dolly. Yeah, I want to see that Dolly. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, the Dolly, mm -hmm. the Dolly Museum. It was it was there for the museum for six months, mm -hmm. and they did a fantastic job. You know, I read once where you said about giving advice to photographers: just don't go out and uh, bang around. Mm -hmm. I like that phrase. I mean, I think I get it exactly what you mean by that. But I, you know. with my digital. Um, if I have a really a good day, I might take four images. Mm. So you maintain that because I can do that because I can shoot a sixty of a second. Yeah. Now you're lucky if you're lucky if you can get one good picture a day. I mean, if you can get very one good, good, good get one picture good, yeah, a day, very good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And and that's what I used to do with film. Mm -hmm. But one thing, it costs a lot. Yeah. Takes a lot of time. I think that's one reason people are going back to film is because you have to learn how to slow down or you bankrupt yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, I went across the country in 2006 doing uh, work for our, our America the Beautiful book I did. Mm -hmm. I took 1,700 sheets of film. It took me two months to process it. Mm -hmm. 25,000 film. Okay, thank you so much to Clyde Butcher, and thanks also to his team in Venice, Florida, who are so hospitable, especially to Teresa Ziegler and Clyde's wife, Nikki, who put up with John for a whole afternoon. In the meantime, join us next week when we are back in the studio for another episode of the B&H Photography Podcast. And in the meantime, are you still not a subscriber to our show? All you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or Spotify and sign up. It's a freebie, folks. We don't ask for money, just your support. And of course, you can always find us on the BH Explorer website and the BH Photography Podcast Facebook group. All that said, my name is Alan Weitz, and on behalf of John Harris and Jason Tables, thank you so much for tuning in today. <laughs>